Sorry. Kim has a lot less life. <laughs> <laughs> Look, a rose between two thorns. Aww. Oh, aren't you? And I'm thorny for you. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been playing that little joke for us this this entire time? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I always know when Kim has a good little joke or a comeback that she's been planning it for weeks on end. <laughs> She'll it hasn't save been it. that long. Hasn't yeah. been that long. How, when was the last time you've been on Mystery Inc.? Um, August. Before your procedure. procedure. Yeah, maybe. Doesn't I, she look so fresh-faced after her procedure? <laughs> she has a little I, less wobble. I look nothing like that face that puts something on my Facebook. She should know better than to leave her Facebook unattended by she now. Should. See, the problem is, I locked him out of my phone one time, and he messed with my phone enough that it locked me out. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so You couldn't even get back. It although, doesn't do me any good to change anything. Although sometimes you can tell what the code is by the finger smudges on their screen. Yeah. So, so, I've, uh, so yeah, I've heard. That's true. So let's catch people up. If they're not familiar, Kim had a procedure. I was there. I had access to her mm-hmm. phone, and I got into it and changed her Facebook status. Yes. It was a nice status. I just took a picture of my face, putting a not-so-nice face, and I acted like I was Kim, and I was like, woke up from surgery. This is what I look like now. Had a little bit of work done to my face. <laughs> yeah. It keeps us young, Kim. His tomfoolery yeah. keeps us Although, preserved. let's just say a little fun little thing that happened while this was going on. So our mother listens to the show, so she's going to get a little, little kick out of this that I'm going to mention this. Hi, but Mom. <laughs> while this was all happening, while Kim's procedure was happening, of course I stole Kim's phone from her daughter to get into it. So my mom had messaged Kim's phone, and that's when I saw the message. So my mom was watching your dog, your little ugly little thing. I don't even think I knew that she messaged me. Yeah. Because there was no alert for it. Yeah. Well, and you were in surgery when she messaged you. So my mom was watching your dog, but my mom didn't have cell phone service at your house. And so she was there the night before, didn't have cell phone service, was trying to get access to your Wi-Fi. So apparently she figured out the next day that she had to walk to the end of the street to get cell phone service. So she walks to the end of the street. Who does she message to get access to your Wi-Fi? You. I mean, clearly. While I'm in surgery. While you're in surgery. She could have messaged me for it. I don't know. But she messaged you. And she didn't hear from you. Eventually, she messages me. And she's like, what's Kim's Wi-Fi password? Well, I didn't know that she didn't have cell phone service. Right. And it was a... like a, a real necessity at that moment. So I sent just a funny response back and I was like, big black D, you know? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> my mom sees this. And in my mind, this is how I picture it. She sees this. She's at the corner at the stop sign by mm-hmm. your house. So she sees this. She walks back to your house. And this is how I imagine it. She walks all the way back to your house, puts in the Wi Fi password, big black D. And she probably oh thought it probably is that because Shane probably set the password up. Right. So it probably is that and Kim didn't know how to change it. I wouldn't think anything of it yeah. if that's what you told yeah. me. Yeah. So she gets back to your house, puts the Wi-Fi password in, and it didn't work. So she walked all the way back to the corner. It's not that And texts me back and goes, that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> She's, and then she says, 
I don't have cell phone service. And I was like, oh, well, you should have led with that. I was just being funny, Jesus. you know, so then I gave her the right password. So, and this oh. is the, the moral of the story is if you really need something, lead with the reason you need it, you know. A little public service announcement for anyone who is listening or watching today. <laughs> Lead with the important stuff first. Yes. <laughs> and we have a new person in the room, and that is anyone who is out there who is watching us today. Hello. It's Hi. very unusual. Normally, Josh and I just talk in a closed room where no one can see us. In sweatpants. <sighs> yeah, normally I'm in shorts. and Yeah, he had to put I real clothes a, on. Poor guy. I feel I bad have, for him. I have a face for radio, and I do not like... The idea of being filmed. I mean, I'm not going to. But we're going to test it out and see how it works and see if anyone enjoys watching it. For the two of you who might be viewing the video, we hope you enjoy it. And if you ever were listening and you thought, I wonder what face Josh was making when he said that little innuendo. I apologize in advance. (laughs) Or I wonder what face Shane was making when Josh said that dirty innuendo. Well, now you can know. Now you can. You can come view the video. Welcome. And see yeah, what face see, we make. But they also are going to realize how often I'm sitting here giggling while you guys are talking. I know. Which I did. So on the Unmasked episode today, I have a little challenge for us. Uh-oh. I have two really good dad jokes. Oh, heavens. And the challenge will be <laughs> that you guys cannot laugh. And it's to see who will be the person that laughs at these horrible dad jokes that oh, I have. Heavens. So that will be in the Unmasked episode after this main episode. So that I would later. just think of you guys naked or something, but that would probably make me laugh. Listen. Kim, this is not the Kimberly <laughs> show. If you All out right. there would like Kimberly's address, you just reach oh, out no, to you me don't. and I will provide that to you. Her back door's always unlocked. There's a window that's always a little fidgety. You can get into uh, it. He's lost his mind. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me, I'm not used to being filmed with this much clothes on. Uh-huh. The weird. We were setting up all the lights and Josh said, oh, this feels like we might be selling some feet pics or something. Right. And I was like, well, someone's willing to pay for it. Nobody wants He's to see my little feet. fat feet. He's got big feet. 17 and a half. There we go. Hey, how you doing? Big old floppy pancreas, Please. too. <laughs> well, and so... You know, when we first started Mystery Inc., we thought, well, let's just keep it focused on the mystery. But then the more that Josh and I hang out, we always get caught up on what's going on in our lives. And it becomes like a time for us to catch up. And whether or not we have a mic in front of us, you know, that's neither here nor there. But now we have a camera in front of us. So that's a little weird to think that there could be someone watching us. I ignore it. I'm trying to, but then there are (laughs) these lights that are, you know blaring in, in my face so that's a little it's just my natural habitat i could ignore it better if i was facing you know facing somebody to talk to instead of facing right into the right make love to the camera kim make love to it <laughs> please and if you would like to sign up for josh's only fans today <laughs> we will put a link in our description so if you are listening to the podcast and you're hearing that we are filming this we have just created a youtube page I think that's what the kids are calling a YouTube page. Sure. I don't know. I have channel. no idea. I'm the too channel, old. The channel. Well, the channel is at Mystery Inc. Podcast. So you can go find us there. A link will be in the description as well. So if you want to see what we look like, if you want to see what Kim looks like, God help. Bless her heart. 
then you can go do that. Like she I stands said, no chance a rose in the between that. two thorns. Yes. Oh, we're thorny for you, Kim. Mm-hmm. So, guys, in the last episode, I mentioned that I was going off to CrimeCon. Yes. And I have been saving a story. Now, anytime I go someplace and something happens, I always have a good story, right? Always. Kim always wants to hear about it. Because you have the best stories. I know. And I'm such a good storyteller. And anytime we meet somebody new, I always make you tell the best stories over again. And, oh, I had to tell a lot of stories. But the one good story about the chicken I'm going to save for another episode. I had to keep retelling that story to everyone I met because another podcaster friend of mine made me retell it. But anyway, there was one person I met at CrimeCon. And it's such a good story. And I've been holding on to it for our recording him. And it was so hard for me not to like text you as it was happening because it was you know, crazy. It's because you know I'm going to be mad that you talked to yeah, somebody really cool. Oh, it wasn't really I cool. It was go. just crazy. Absolutely crazy. Okay, so it starts out. So you both have been to CrimeCon now. And CrimeCon is a huge convention. Thousands of people are there. And I'm always on Podcast Row representing a podcast. Represent. Yes. So this year I was handing out these evidence bags. And so because we're being filmed, I can show you there are evidence bags and they have some of our stickers and cards in them, like some Vanna White I'm going to display. She's the person that displays, right? Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. Here you go. Well, they were really popular. So I was handing those out. And just as an aside, if you would like one, just comment and let me know and I'll contact you and I'll mail you one. Just keep in mind that if I mail you one... Anytime I mail these out, I just mail it out as is. <laughs> so the mailman's going to give you some weird looks because you have an evidence bag being put into your mailbox. So just keep you that in mind. You two can have Shane Waters' DNA shipped <laughs> right to your home. <laughs> right. So, so picture a huge room, right? And I'm at my podcast booth and all these people are coming up and I'm talking to a lot of people which I met a lot of listeners who were Mystery Inc. listeners. Who, oh, good. Yeah, it was so fun. I hugged a lot of people who were like, oh, I love you and your brother. <laughs> and I have a little confession to make. You know who you are out there. Oh, God. I made sure everyone knew that Josh was the older brother. I hate him. <laughs> I hate him. I was like, yeah, Josh has a birthday coming up. You know he's a couple years older than me, and he's not here, but he'll be here next year in Nashville. The gloves are off. Retribution is coming for him. <laughs> but now that you can see us, you can clearly tell I'm that the he is the older one with makeup on and good lighting. I look younger. <laughs> I made a, I made a real nice Facebook post for Josh for his birthday, wishing him a happy fortieth birthday. And people believed I was forty. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Thank yeah. you for listening, but dead to me. Yeah, he's one year younger than me. And people were like, is he really 40? Listen, I was depressed a lot in my 20s. I tanned, I smoked. <laughs> and you're thin and fat, don't crack. Yes. Yes. That too, but he can say it. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> right. So anyway, so I'm there meeting a lot of people, gave a lot of hugs to Mystery Inc. listeners. They love the show. Well, thank you, guys. Yes, and I had heard from them that they loved hearing about our grandmother, so that was really heartwarming to hear. Good. Yes. So, no one said anything about you, Kim. Sorry. So, anyway. <laughs> Who? Yeah, I know. Who? Mm. So, anyway. Thanks a lot, guys. So, so, baby. 
So I'm here doing my thing, right? Well, a friend podcaster of mine, Justin Evans from the Generation Y podcast, was sitting with me at my table at this moment, taking a break from his table. Hi, Justin. Yeah. And, and the peripheral. This, Don't forget the peripheral. And the peripheral, yes. And this man comes up. Now, there are certain people in life that you can just tell there's going to be something happening, uh, you know? Yeah. So imagine he's wearing a red hat that has a website on it. He has a red shirt. He has red shorts and red shoes. Oh, heavens. Yeah. <laughs> Josh. Oh, heavens. Yeah. Giant ketchup bottle yeah. walking towards you. Yeah. So I'm talking to these people, and he comes up, right? And he goes, his first thing that he said was, I listened to your show, and he pointed to foul play. And he's like, I want you to do a series on me. And I was like, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Police? And so he goes, I mean, he talked to me for probably 40 minutes, right? Did he plan on dying sometime soon or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. So this whole rabbit hole thing starts out with him saying the name of this person who is, anytime you hear the name, I'm not going to say the guy's name. Anytime you hear his name, you know it's a huge conspiracy theory, extreme conspiracy theory, right? So he mentioned the guy's name. So I knew the moment he said it, this guy was... Okay, this isn't fair. Cray cray. Because I don't know who you're talking about if you're not going to mention his name. I'm not going to mention his name. He's cray cray. If I mentioned his name, you wouldn't know who I'm talking about. You don't mess with crazy. And yeah. I won't leave you alone. So anyway, so the guy continues. And the moment that the guy mentioned this dude's name, Justin realized the man's crazy. Like cray cray, right? So he texts me. From sitting, like, he's sitting right next to me mm. at this table. Sends me a text and goes, dude, man's crazy. Nuttier than a squirrel <laughs> yeah. turd. So the people are continuing to come up. And this guy is completely, like, blowing them off, making them leave. And he's telling me this story. And so Justin gets up. And as this man continues to talk, Justin keeps walking by going. <laughs> <laughs> and for you listening, he keeps, like, doing the little head spinny thing with his finger doing the little crazy symbol and whispering with his mouth this man's crazy so it was like i'm trying not to start laughing right but i'm also trying to get this man to leave so the man continues and he says that he has a iphone 21 that was issued by the military oh heavens mm, i want one then well further on in the conversation he whips out this iphone 21 it's just a brick. It's an iPhone XR, which is a rather old phone. And I know exactly what it is because I'm very familiar with iPhones. It was the phone that's Rich. very colorful. Kim, you once had an iPhone XR. If you remember, it was the yellow one. Or you might have had the purple one. I think your daughter had the yellow one. Is that the one I have right now? The purple <laughs> yeah. one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it was this. Pretty much, yeah. So, so it was the iPhone XR. And I just thought, Okay, well, clearly that's not an iPhone 21, dude. You're lying. But anyway, so he's like, what's your phone number? And Hell I was no. like, uh, I'm sorry, I don't give up my phone number. He's like, well, what's your email address? And I was like, well, you're not getting my email address. And I was like, I'll give you my website. So he goes to go to my website. And he's like, oh, well, uh, I can't go to the uh, the website because I leave my phone in airplane mode because there's people who track me. And I was like. Bless his okay. heart. Bless his heart. I'm sure people are tracking you. He wanted to blend in in an all red outfit. Well, and it reminded me of one of my mom's ex-husbands. 
Do you remember when, when they were releasing one of the oh, new iPhones and they were talking about how it's going to have a fingerprint scanner on the button? Oh, yeah. And he was like, well, I'm not going to get that because the government will have my fingerprint. And I was like, what would the government want your fingerprint for, dude? And he's they been arrested. Care about you. They've got it. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, you have horrible credit. No one's going right. to steal your credit. Like, no one wants want to be you, about buddy. You. Yeah. So anyway, so this man was absolutely ridiculous. And then he tells me that he's a multi-billionaire, right? So he continues to tell me this thing. Was he single? I don't know. (laughs) He didn't mention that part. I'm really surprised you didn't pitch me to him. He was just talking off the rail, right? And like every little bit that I got out of him, I would start ignoring parts of what he was saying so that I could like imagine other things because it was just crazy right tone so out. yeah so he mentioned that he was a billionaire and i just thought what would it be like to be a billionaire you know and i thought i don't know that i, I would even walk myself if i was a billionaire and then i thought if i wanted a podcast done i wouldn't be going to a crime convention i would just hire a team right to do the podcast so it was a really weird scenario and Justin walked by a few times doing the crazy symbol. But finally, I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. I have to go to lunch. And, you know, the, the, the whole guy's story, right, was that he felt like someone had tried to steal his business from him. Mm. That's the series he wanted me to do. And I was like, sir, this well, is the true this, crime. That, that's not a story that I would normally cover. I'm, I'm really sorry. So it, it was very bizarre, very weird. Clearly, I'm not going to do it. You haven't mastered the art of getting people to leave you alone. You right. just simply, excuse me, I just crapped my pants. <laughs> like, I am not above anything to get out of an awkward conversation. I will pull well, it out. And don't you love that Justin just left me there with him? He didn't try to, like, get me out of it. Come, hey, Shane. I would, we need don't to go blame do him. Something. I would have done the he same thing. He just leaves me and just continues to do the little crazy symbol. <laughs> because we know you could fend for yourself. But you, you know what I'm going to do? If he tries to email me. I'm going to be like, hey, I'm so sorry. I'm so busy for the next year with projects. But Justin Evans would love to do this episode for you. I'm on warning. Here is his contact information. (laughs) Contact him now. He'll be the one for you. Just here it is. I need to make a note. Yeah, I think it's going to be perfect. If you say so. Yeah, but he's not contacted me yet. So we're okay for right now. They got him. Whoever's looking for him, they found him. Well, for you who are listening, for for you who are listening for the first time and you're wondering, when are these people going to get to the freaking mystery? Eventually. We are the mystery. We are the mystery. (laughs) We are the mystery. And one of the questions that I got asked a lot at CrimeCon that I will address here for you who are listening for the first time. Yes, we have a mystery machine Tesla like what you see in our logo. I drive it every day. It's here. He calls me extra, by the way. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> and today, I don't know who's going first, but Kim and I, for her mystery, we drove it to find out little bits and pieces for her mystery. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. So, it's from your hometown. Yes. Which so, one? <laughs> we move so much. <laughs> I know. I do. I count the one Alec you claim is your hometown. As both. Yeah. For you listening, Alec is Alexandria, Indiana. It's it, just they we, per, they say it as Alec for some reason. We don't know. No why. one knows. No one knows why. Okay, so it's the the bigger place in between those two places. 
Muncie? Mm-hmm. Okay. I never say I'm, Muncie's my hometown because that's trashy. <laughs> I say Selma. <laughs> Selma people are like, oh, where's that? Muncie. They're like, oh, you're a Muncie local? Oh, I'm sorry. Usually when Shane and I are out talking to people or whatever and they ask where we're from, we always say Muncie just because yeah. that's the biggest that they would even come close yeah, to knowing. People know. yeah. Do you know Ball State? Ball State, I yeah. didn't go there, but I slept my way through there. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Thank you, boys. All right. So who is going first today? Josh. I'll go first. Okay. Go ahead, Josh. Give it to us. Well, it takes a lot for me to kink shame someone. I've always had the let me try it before I say no mentality, except for women, when it comes to most kinks. I'm also interested in the reasoning behind people's kinks. Why did I enjoy that man calling me a name? What happened to make me like that leather collar? These are all questions I've asked myself on the drive home, sipping on my traditional after-daddy Dr. Pepper. Nothing rinses the taste of sin and sweat out of a mouth better. Well, my mystery for today is what happens when a kink goes too far and gets out of hand, or in this case, out of foot. So remember your safe words, everyone, because this one will knock your socks off. Using a lot of puns, I can't help myself. The shoe fetish killer was a man named Jerry Brudos, nicknamed Pudgy, and he was an active killer in the 1960s around Portland, Oregon. And as you can guess, he had a certain kink that he would end up taking too far. Jerry murdered at least four women because he was sexually attracted to their feet, especially while they're wearing high heels. It's men like him as why you should never post bare feet pics on any social media. You never know what people are going to do with them. I heard you can make a lot of money from feet pics. Only if you're being paid should you post. <laughs> Don't post naked feet pics that for was, free. That was my side hustle. Side <laughs> I can write your name with mine. <laughs> Jerry was an accidental child born in January of 1939 in South Dakota as the youngest of two sons. There's a lot of similarities I found when I was researching (laughs) him. I'm like, ooh, thank God. My mom was more open-minded than his. He and his family lived on a farm, and he was emotionally and physically abused early on by his mother due to the fact that she really wanted a girl and hated that her youngest was born male. Another similarity. (laughs) One day when he was only five and playing in a junkyard, ew, Jerry came across a pair of high heels and instantly became enamored by them. So he took the shoes home and he would hide them and do God only knows what with them. Well, eventually his mother found the shoes and she threw them away. But unable to cope with that loss, Jerry snuck out to the trash and took the shoes out. Well, when his mother found him playing with them again, she took them, but this time she burned them. You know, I am thankful that her mom was open-minded enough in the 90s to let me play with my Barbies and dolls. I can only imagine the type of person I would be if I were more repressed as a child. A lot of parents can be so afraid that their sons are going to be a sissy that they end up causing long-lasting psychological damage and numerous kinks and fetishes in their adult lives. I am attracted to daddies because I didn't have the healthiest positive relationship with men growing up. 
they would more or less tolerate my presence, but the entire time I spent with them, they would attempt to butch me up. Men don't do that. Men don't say that. Take all those girly charms off your keys. God doesn't like it, blah, blah, blah. Their disgust in my femininity would be my saving grace, though, and I attached myself to the safety and acceptance of the women in my life. Perhaps if Jerry had someone safe to cling to as a child, it could have spared his future victims. But, sadly, that wasn't the case. As he grew, Jerry's obsession with women's shoes led him to attempt to steal the shoes from his first grade teacher. Even worse, as a teenager, Jerry would creep through his neighborhood and steal panties off of clotheslines. Each time he did and got away with it, it made Jerry's fantasies take over even more, and he became emboldened by it. He was a quick-growing young man, and by the time he was a teenager, he was already a pretty stout young man. Something Shane and I can both relate to. I think we were both six feet tall by fifth grade. Right. And I can tell you from personal experience that when you are a large child, people treat and expect you to act like an adult even sooner than what a, I don't know, a 12 to 13-year-old should. Yeah. Either because we were as tall as adults or by means of keeping huge children in line, you know, so we don't get into a gang or whatever they thought we might do. We were expected to behave like adults, and anything that we did that was childish or girly for me was punished. Well, the more Jerry stole panties, the more he wanted to do, and the occasional thievery of undergarments took a turn for even worse. Jerry soon became obsessed with finding out what all he could get away with. By the age of 17, he began to stalk women and girls. Once he found a victim, he would knock them down or choke them and run away with their shoes. Eventually, Jerry took his fantasies even further when he somehow lured a girl into his bedroom. My guess it was to see something cool because he was not blessed in the looks department. Once there, he held her hostage with a knife and ordered her to remove her clothes, and he took pictures of her nude body. He did let her leave, and surprisingly, she didn't report the attack to the police. This was a long time ago, I guess, but that would have been my first stop as soon as I left his creepy house. Yeah. But it was possibly out of fear of being shamed or just being in shock that what just happened to her. Well, Jerry realized that he got away scot-free, and that's what gave him the confidence to push things even further. Several months later, he conned a 17-year-old girl to get into his car under the guise that he would give her a ride home. He then drove her to a secluded spot and ordered her to take her clothes off to be photographed. When she refused and he realized that she couldn't be controlled like he was able with other women, Jerry assaulted and beat that poor girl. Thankfully for her, a few people overheard the assault happening and called the police and most likely saved that girl's life. After Jerry was arrested and put into a psychiatric hospital for nine months, while there he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and extreme misogyny. 
He was also allowed to attend school during the day, but had to return to the hospital each evening. Boy, have things changed. Like, they just let him out during the day. Go go have fun with your friends at school, but you got to come back here. Crazy. After he graduated high school, Jerry joined the military very shortly, but that didn't pan out. He then became an electronics technician and seemed to be decent at what he did. By 1961, at the age of 22, Jerry married a 17-year-old girl named Darcy. It wasn't as weird back then, but it's still weird. 17's young. Yeah. Bless her heart. Shortly after the two were married, they had their first child, and her husband started to order Darcy to do all of the housework in their home, either naked or in lingerie, but all the while in high heels. Something I myself have been paid to do a time or two in my early 20s. (laughs) See, I've lived. In 1967, when Darcy gave birth to their second child, that's when she also began refusing to dress scantily and in heels while doing housework. Good for you, girl. That's also when Jerry says he began to suffer from migraines and blackout episodes. Oh, little Jerry doesn't like it when he's told no, apparently. The same year that a second child was born, Jerry was stalking a local woman. One night, he broke into her home after seeing her walking around in heels. She woke up during the robbery, and in a state of panic, Jerry attacked and sexually assaulted her before he strangled her to the point of unconsciousness before fleeing the scene with several pairs of her shoes. This is when little Pudgy began to unravel even further. And his sexual urges pushed him past the edge. The next year, on January 26, 1968, just days before his 29th birthday, Jerry saw a woman named Linda Slauson. She was selling encyclopedias door-to-door. I actually had to look up how to spell that word. I've never spelled (laughs) encyclopedia. But we don't use them anymore. He acted as if he was interested in buying one from her. But once she let her guard down, he attacked, bludgeoned, then strangled her to death. He then threw her body off of a bridge into the Willamette River, and her body was never found. Later, that same year around Thanksgiving, a woman named Jan Whitney was driving home from a family dinner when her car broke down on the side of the road. And she has to be one of the most unluckiest people because... Who do you think was driving down that same road and offered to help her? Little Pudgy himself. Once she got into his car, he did strangle her to death and sexually defiled her body. He then dumped her car at a rest stop and then tied her body to a railroad iron. Jan's body wouldn't be found until July 1969, eight months after her murder. Throughout this, I just want to say I do attempt to keep myself cool with jokes and say that I am gay because I respect women too much to ever view them as sexual objects. It's very hard for me to hear stories about women being abused, especially by asshat men. Not only were his victims assaulted, defiled, and murdered, but the last thing those poor women had to look at was his horrid face. Ugh, bless their souls. If Elmer Fudd were a real man, he would have looked just like Jerry Brudos. (laughs) 
I'm not being mean. I'm just being accurate. I put some thought. I'm like, who does he look like, Elmer Fudd? Altogether, Jerry Brutus altered the lives of seven women. Two unnamed victims, Linda Slauson, Jan Whitney, Karen Sprinkler, Gloria Smith, and Linda Sally. By the time he was arrested in May of 1969, four of those victims lost their lives because of his fetish, and the others had to live with physical and emotional scars for the rest of their lives. Jerry liked to hang around parking garages and Oregon State University looking for his victims. He even took up the habit of calling girls at the college and just blindly asking them out on dates. And believe it or not, some of them even went and had dates with this man. Elmer Fudd. Just, I mean, didn't even know what he looked like. Just (laughs) called them up out of the blue. Hey, honey, you want to go on a date? Sure. I know it was the 60s, but Jesus. I don't even meet a man without a pic of his face and his dingling first. Good Lord. (laughs) Jerry was caught in part because of one of those women after she agreed to go on a date with him. For some reason, she thought it was odd when they were in his car and he began asking her weird questions about dying. I've had worse. I believe it was her shoes that Jerry didn't like as to the reason she got out alive and unharmed. I believe she had a wedge heel, and he desired spiked heels. See, ugly wedge heels can save your life. Still don't buy them, though. (laughs) Once she made it home, she went to the police, and his description matched several other ones that other women had given. She decided to work with the police and agreed to go on a second date with Jerry. But instead of walking into his next victim, he was greeted by police. They interrogated him and searched his car, and inside the trunk they found panties and other damning evidence. Panties is just such a fun word to say. I love panties. 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 (laughs) Then they made their way to his garage, and the scene was even worse than they could have imagined. That's what people say about Kim's panties. (laughs) Even worse than I could have imagined. They don't call hers panties, though. They call them panties. Bloomers. Panties. (laughs) I like grandma used to call them bloomers. Bloomers. Or my BBDs, which I don't know what what that means. (laughs) Probably not something dirty. I know. (laughs) I don't know what that would stand for. BBDs. BBDs. Big blooming drawers. Inside their garage was a large deep freezer, and when they looked inside of it, they found feet. Jerry had been cutting off parts of his victims and keeping them in the freezer to model high-heeled shoes on. Besides feet, he had also removed several other body parts from the women, including one woman's breasts. God bless her. Oh, that hurts my titties just thinking about it. Police also found copper wire, which had been used to tie the women and dump their bodies in a river. Remember, he was an electronics technician. Jerry was also known to dress in women's clothing as well. Listen, I'm not saying repressing children to fit into the mold you think they should be in is what causes a lot of violence in adults, but I'm just thankful that my mother didn't bat an eye at me playing with girls' toys and living my best little baby femme queen life. You might ask, 
how did Jerry's wife not know what her husband was up to in their garage before That's the couple ended know. up splitting the blanket? Southern word of the day. Didn't know they had one for divorce. <laughs> he not only kept the garage deadbolted the whole time, and he had the only key, but he also installed an intercom that she had to use to gain access when he was in there. His wife sure got the short end of the stick in their marriage. Good Lord. Oof. I feel bad for her. I don't think she knew anything of what he was up to whatsoever. And, you know, was just a young girl who fell victim to an unfortunate marriage. Especially at that age, she's still naive enough to think like, oh, I just got to get married and have kids and live happily ever after, like in the stories. But happily ever after don't just happen. And based on the amount of closeted married men who hit me up on the apps telling me to come to their garage or basement, you'd be surprised with what some men get away with right under their wives' noses. She won't wake up, I promise, and that's how you get shot. I, of course, don't do it. For one, I am 33 and I need a bed. And it has to be clean. Second, I just don't see a married man as worth pursuing. Besides, the husband always feels so guilty, the wife always gets the good gifts. Golden Girls reference. (laughs) (laughs) Jerry received three life sentences for his crimes and died at the age of 67 while still in prison. In addition to killing his victims, Jerry Brudos confessed to mutilating and preserving their corpses to use as sex objects. However, he later claimed that he was mentally ill when he committed the crimes. Can I just start using that as a common excuse with men from my past? No, I'm not responsible for sleeping with those men. I was mentally ill with depression. <laughs> mm, I know one for sure that you can... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> Sorry, I had to end on a joke just so I could sleep. Because just when I was researching this... When I watch movies and when I research stuff, I, like, picture myself as, like, first person, like, as the victim. And sometimes even the killer, just to try to wrap my mind around how someone could do that. And sometimes I can easily put myself in their shoes, but it's hard for me to take myself out of their shoes, pun intended. And that's why I use humor often, just so it helps my brain differentiate like no it's okay you'll be fine and that's it for my mystery good before you get started i would like to give a special thank you jesus to some of our loyal patrons these are some of our og patrons from the very beginning of mystery inc they are tanya h rick w christy r and charlene s love your name charlene We thank you from the bottom of our hearts, and we couldn't do this podcast without your support. You have excellent taste in podcasts and must be some of the most intelligent people around. I would think so. Charlene. 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 You can't tell we're related, can you? I was singing in my head. I don't sing out loud. We thank you for that, Kim. The world thanks you. <laughs> yes. I don't think I've ever heard her sing. You're, I'm actually you a thankful. good singer. I was in choir when I was in high school. That means nothing. A very small, small school. <laughs> 
We all know what she had to do to get in the choir, too. You started talking about your story, Josh, and it reminded me of a really funny story, but I wanted to save it because, you know, your story wasn't very funny. But do you remember in high school when we lived at our home and you started wearing special underwear? <laughs> oh, G-strings? Yeah. And... <laughs> and I don't, I don't know how it happened exactly, but you must have put it in with other laundry and our mom found it and thought that it was like from a girlfriend of mine or something. Yeah. Oh like I must have been yeah. sneaking girls into the house. Yeah. yeah. They're mine. And so I got in trouble and Josh was like, those are mine. Give them to me. And she's like, <gasps> because at the My time, stuff. you know, Josh wasn't out. Which, you know, I'm, I was never really in. Yeah. I just hadn't publicly. <laughs> so Josh was like, give me those. Those are mine. Wait, touching them. So all of a sudden she went from, you've been sneaking girls into the house, Shane, haven't you? And I was like, no, I haven't. Why would I do that? Have we this met? absolutely horrible. <laughs> yeah. And Josh was like, give me my underwear. What are you doing with those? And she's like, oh. <gasps> <laughs> So it was like from trying to accuse me of something to. <gasps> that reminds me. I remember when I I was like 13 or 14 probably. And I was calling around places because that was really before you could look stuff up on the internet or at least before I had access to it. And I was calling different department stores asking if they sold men's thongs because that's what I wanted. Still like them to this day. Not today. Okay. I'm wearing my mystery ink underwear. You too can have my underwear pick. Just kidding. Just kidding. But I remember I called Kmart in our hometown. And, you know, it was probably some teenage boy who answered the phone. You know, thank you for calling Kmart. How can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, do you guys sell men's thongs? And he was like, oh, yeah, we do. We have them in all different sizes. I was like, oh, great. I'll come and get some or have my dad bring me to come buy some. <laughs> and he was like, wait, you're talking about flip-flops, right? And I was like, no, the underwear that goes up your ass crack. <laughs> he was like, oh, no, we don't sell those. <laughs> but they did. He just didn't want me to have them. That's hilarious. That is funny. He probably didn't know. Thank God for Amazon now. That's funny. I am to my heart's content. That and after dark. <laughs> I haven't, I've been in that place like once. I go there. I love to talk to them because I follow a few on social media. Like they're workers that work at sex stores and like they post videos of stories of like, oh, you'll never believe what this person did or just the weird, creepy stuff people go in there to do. But I always find it interesting. I like to go and be like, <laughs> any good news? What happened? Tell me. Will these poppers skip my... No. <laughs> Look at them. They don't know what that is. <laughs> They're so white bread, guys. Mm. Sorry. I'm old. Opens yes, up you your bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, Kim, what's your story? Hang on. I'm going to fix this mic first. Kim's not used to something in her face like I am. Although I do have to fight the urge not to spit on the mic habit. <laughs> okay. I think that's better. Anyway, so Josh, you were talking about how when researching things that they, it kind of bothers you. and Oh, yeah. And I had sent a text to Shane after doing all the research and writing on this mystery. 
And I told him, I said, it was the next day. And I told him, I said, I did not sleep hardly at all last night. Every time I would fall asleep, I would have nightmares and this and that. And, and he says, well, why, you know, you, you deal with true crime all the time, you know? And I told, I said, it's just so close to home. Mm. I remember it happening. I was a sophomore in high school. I was the same age as these kids. And long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a long time ago. I'll tell you what year here in a second. <laughs> but I said, it's just hits really close to home. So I think that was the only, the main reason why I had such a hard time doing it. I would like to watch My Little Pony afterwards. For some reason, that's one thing that I can watch and it like makes me forget all about the bad and the world. Usually I do watch things after, you know. I'll watch a true crime show or whatever, and then I have to watch a comedy so that I don't have nightmares. But I watch, for some reason, that didn't work. I watched The Golden Girls. Hmm. Dun, 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 dun. All right, so Thank you for being here. we're going to talk about the West Side Park murders. I've never heard of it. But you, you know where West Side Park is in Muncie, though, right? Yeah, that's the one Dad took us to. Yeah. Wow. I fished there a lot. Yeah. We just took my nephew there like a month ago. Yeah, but you didn't know that there was a murder there. <laughs> no. It's hmm. infamous. I knew kids got yeah. like hurt in that tube. That yeah, little... that's why they removed it. Yeah, so at, at the park, there was a playground. Do you know what he's talking about? No. There's a big playground. And so they had this like a ladder inside the middle of it that you could climb up. And so kids used to always fall down it. and Had like five-gallon metal buckets. Yeah. Like, they welded. had a – out at the reservoir, they have something like that that you have to climb up the middle of it to slide. It's a big yeah. slide. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're kind but of they welded it about. shut so the kids couldn't go up it. It might not even be there anymore. They might have. Re- I don't removed. remember seeing it when we were there. They might have replaced the whole. They did the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I played on it a few times. <laughs> Listen, it's you, there are perks to having a godson, <laughs> right? So after a couple of weeks after my surgery, I was feeling better, and Shane came to get me, and we started talking about this case, and we ended up going to Westside Park and figuring out exactly where it happened and stuff. And we even went to uh, the cemetery to see the girl. The one right across the river from there? Um, no, she was buried in... Elm Ridge. Elm Ridge, okay. yeah. Elm Ridge. So we went out there. It took us a little bit to find her, but we finally found her. Yeah, you have to imagine, though, and I, I feel this. So Kim and I, we've talked about this before on the show. We like to explore cemeteries. Mm-hmm. So anytime we go to a cemetery, it's always an old one, and we like to explore it. Elm They're Ridge real is, fun at parties. <laughs> right? Elm Ridge <laughs> is a huge cemetery. So we were specifically trying to find this victim of this crime. So we're looking all over this huge cemetery, driving all around it. And you have to drive by the front entrance where there's a huge administration building. And we're in a mystery machine Tesla. So we felt like they would know exactly why we're in this cemetery. And we're just driving around like every lane trying to find <laughs> this person. And so like eventually we found where we thought it would be at. And so we had to drive right in front of the admin building again. And I was just like, please don't let them come out. Please don't let them come out because like, what do you say? You know, just playing Pokemon hey, Go. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're, just, we're just hanging out, just driving around. Oh, on a day, you know, just <laughs> I'm chilling. not from here. Yeah, right. So because this is so close to home, I decided that for two reasons. The only full names I'm going to use is the victims' names. Okay. And any of the suspects, the only names I'm going to use is their first name because I really don't think, number one, that they need the recognition right. or it's something that they might have done. And the people that were wrongly accused 
have had to live their whole lives, you know, defending themselves. And I don't want to add. I just don't want to add to it. Right. So I'm talking about the West Side murders in Muncie, Indiana. It actually was 38 years ago on September the 28th. Oh. Josh's birthday. It just. A couple years before my birthday. (laughs) Yeah, it just had its anniversary. So a little after nine o'clock on September the 28th in 1985, I was a sophomore in high school, 16-year-old Ethan Dixon stopped to pick up his 15-year-old girlfriend, Kimberly Dow, for a night out. It was later confirmed that they had been invited to a Ball State frat party, but there was no evidence that they had ever went there. I got roofied at one of those one time. It was meant for my girlfriend that I was with, my roommate. I don't think they thought it was my cup. Thank you, though. So later that night, Officer Winters, he was at the Westside Park. The park closed at 11 o'clock at night. So he would go there. He had a canine. He would go there, walk his canine, and basically boot kids out of the park because they used it as a lover's lane. Got to go under the bridge. So I've heard. Mm -hmm. So he was there walking his canine, kicking kids out. And he had a, a radio call come in that there was a loud party. So he was getting ready to leave the park to go break this party up. It was an apartment complex just right across the road. And so on his way walking out, he came across some really fresh tire tracks. So he decided that he was going to follow the tracks and he followed the tracks and he came across a, a Volkswagen rabbit hatchback. He shined his light in the end to see what was going on, you know, see if it was a couple of kids or whatever. Kids, knock it off. Mm -hmm. And he come across Ethan and Kimberly's bodies. See, I am such a screamer. Ain't nobody killing me in no public area. Someone's going to hear it. He was later quoted in saying that it was such a shock that he actually turned his flashlight for a few minutes because it, it shocked him and it was such a horrible scene he turned it off. He, is what you're he, yeah, he turned his flashlight yeah. off. Gave, like I did not just see this. No, yeah. yeah, you know you're expecting like, oh, you kids, no. Oh. Yeah, oh, and you. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even know if the person that had done this was still around or anything. Oh yeah. So after that happened, he immediately called it in. It didn't take very long for police officers started to come. They started their investigation there. Um, I'm going to set kind of set what the scene looked like when he actually found it. The car was still running when he found it. Good gas mileage. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, I don't. it hadn't been there very long. Okay. Ethan was on the driver's side. The window was down and the door was open. Uh, and the passenger side was Kimberly. And there was a hole in the passenger window where it had been shattered. They were both laid back in the seats with sleeping bags over them. On the dash, there was an open pocket knife. And then later, after the bodies were removed, they found a gun holster underneath Ethan. Jesus. After they finally took everybody out and during their autopsies, they found out that Ethan had been shot in the left side of his chest near his sixth rib. The toxicology report said that there was no drugs or alcohol in his system. Kimberly was shot in the head right behind her left ear. There was also no drugs or alcohol in her system. Both were shot with a 38 caliber handgun, and both had gunshot residue on them, which means that the killer had to either be very close to the door 
or he actually reached his hand in the door and shot at least one shot in the door it for was them actually to get through Ethan's door. Yes, it was through yeah. Ethan's door. So I originally thought that it was. See, be I did hers too because the, the mm-hmm. window being shattered. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was not. So once they started their investigation, they actually find out that there was as many as a dozen cars in the park at that time. By the next day, eight of those had come forward to give statements and stuff. Hold on a minute. So there were eight cars there when the shot happened? There was as many as a dozen. Okay. But eight of those came forward that had been there to give statements. Okay. I say that's not a big park. No, like, it's not no. very big. It's they, not. Were, they were busy. So during those shots, they found out that there was three shots fired. So one hit Ethan, one hit Kimberly, one shattered the window. Okay. And then they also had reports of a car, a black Monte Carlo, that was cl- parked close to the car, Ethan's car. And after the shots rang out, they left very quickly. There was also reports that there was three people around that car. I would have left real quickly, too, after I heard mm-hmm. shots. I know, Get the right? hell out of here. So they didn't have much to go on in the very beginning. They just didn't have much to go on. So some of the reports also had said that they seen Kimberly's stepdad, Don, there. Never trust the stepdad. So that was their main person that they were looking at because why would he show up, you know, show up there? Well, it turns out that her mother, Nancy, she got worried because Kimberly had missed her 11 o'clock curfew. And she asked him to go out and search for them. So he went down to Litson and checked at McDonald's. They weren't there. And when he was coming back, he had come by the park and seen that there had been a crowd gather. And there was a bunch of police presence, crime scene tape, you know, the whole nine yards. And he stopped there. But at that time, the investigation was just starting. So they didn't even know who the kids were yet. Mm. So he couldn't even get any kind of information. So he just ended up going back home. But because of this, there was so many people that said that they seen him there, that that was their number one person saying that he sure. was controlling and blah, blah, blah. And well, people really just assume anything. Yeah, they, they do. It was before GPS locators on phones. Right. Now, do they have anything stolen from the car? No, not okay. not that they knew, they could figure out that anything was stolen. So their wallets, purse, everything Yeah, everything was, found. was still there. Okay. Like I said, they were hitting dead ends after dead ends. And then on October the 8th, they released a sketch of a man that was wanted in connection with the shootings. He was described as a white male, about 5'9", 150 to 160 pounds, about 24 years old. He wore gold-rimmed glasses. His hair was feathered back. It was a little longer. He was driving either a, a 72 to a 75 Monte Carlo And the man was later identified as a man named Jimmy. He left town the day after it happened. And there was reports of him that he didn't know anybody in Florida. He had went, he didn't know anybody there. He just, he left town and he was actually living under a bridge. While he was in Florida, he had a run-in with the law there. He had held a knife at a man's throat. So he had a little brush with the law while he was in Florida. He did end up returning to Muncie in August of 86. 
A few days after he returned, he got stopped by the cops for running a stop sign. So he, when they asked him for his driver's license, he couldn't give them one. Either he couldn't give them or he wouldn't give it to him. And so they asked him what his name was, and they told him that his name was Kevin Dixon, which is Ethan Dixon. It made it sound like he was related to Ethan. Okay. Mm. So I forgot his last name. Yeah. They ended up just giving him a ticket for both not having a driver's license on him and for running the stop sign. And, of course, when they took that case to court, he didn't show up. He's in Florida, probably. Yeah, probably. So when this all happened, I can't remember which, I think it was a bank or somebody had fronted a $5,000 reward. Over the years, that's grown to a $25,000 reward. Interest. Um, Unfortunately, this has never been solved. There's been numerous rumors over the years from, of course, her stepdad, Don. And then there was even rumors that Officer Winters, the one that actually found them, had done it. Jeez. Tired of you kids. Right. here. Um, So it was either there was rumors that it was a drug deal gone bad. It's always basically in the wrong place at the wrong time. They think maybe they might have seen some something that they shouldn't have seen, you know, and so they just they've never been able to find it. We may never know the truth about what happened to Ethan or Kimberly, but I know for me. Since I was so close in age with them at the time, it was really, I I can remember being afraid of going somewhere because you didn't know if the killer was still out there. It was just, it was hard on me. It it was hard on me for a while afterwards. I can remember I wasn't allowed to go anywhere by myself. I I imagine. Yeah. And Tasty little snack like you get ate right I up. know, right? <laughs> but like we said, we did go visit Kimberly. Yeah. She is actually laid to rest next to her maternal grandfather. Mm-hmm. He passed away like four years before she did. Aww. Two year, I think it was two years after she had passed away, her mom died of a heart attack. Mm. Broken heart. So, yeah. I mean, basically, that's what it is. Oh. I know all about that, you know. Man, I've never... I just can't believe I've never heard of this. I can see, you know, my dad not telling me because mm-hmm. I would never go to that park again. Right. But geez. I, the thing that I think one of the things that hits me the most about it is after it happened, I mean, they basically, they went to Muncie um, Northside. And, Which is a middle school now. Yeah, it's a middle school now. They didn't really... You could talk to a counselor if you wanted to, but they didn't like bring them into a group. There, I actually read all of this in a book. There's been a book written about it. Some of her friends remember that they didn't bring them in for you know any kind of counseling. You could get it if you wanted to, but they didn't have any type of candlelight vigil. They they just basically didn't do anything. And I that's the thing that I remember the most when Amber passed away was the school really brought the community together and helped, you know, the families and that kind of stuff and remembered them and the vigils and everything. And they didn't do anything like that back then. Yeah. So. Kim, if this is the first time that you're listening to this, Kim's daughter, Amber, had died. Uh, We did an episode when Kim joined us Mm -hmm. for the first time. The episode is called A Haunting Tale of Amber, I believe. Yes. 
So if you're wondering what her reference is, you can go back to listen to that. The first time I remember hearing this story, when I was in high school, I did a job shadow with the CSI agent for Delaware County Sheriff's Department. Oh, yeah. And I think I had to do that for a week. And so for an entire week, I was with him. And one of the things that I had asked him was, there ever a case that has stuck with him during all this time? And he mentioned that case. Mm -hmm. and I, I didn't remember ever hearing about it. But because I kept asking him so many questions, I think he had brought me down to Westside Park to show me different parts of mm -hmm. where it happened. So he had shown me where the car was found and little bits and pieces of it. So it had always stuck in my head from just the little parts that he had mm -hmm. mentioned from it. Where was it found in the park? Like when you go down the road where the hill is? Like you turn is right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where those little parking areas yeah, are. Yeah, now where there is a circle where you can turn. Yeah. It's kind of over around that okay. that area. In that book, it actually, I forgot to tell you this, in that book, it actually showed a map of where it was at. Oh, so were we correct? Yes. Good, Yeah, good. we were. It was, I haven't got it figured out if maybe that road back then was longer. Yeah. But it was down that way. I think it did go a little bit ways down by the water. But from what I remember him saying at the time, if I remember correctly, because it's been a while, and from what Kim had mentioned, Kim, you can maybe add more to this or correct me. But if you're down there by that part of where the car was found, uh, above that is where there's a tennis court, I believe. Yes, tennis court. And there might even be a basketball court mm -hmm. or something up there. But Josh, I used if you to watch guys play basketball shirtless. Well, we there there used to be like a little fair. Like sometimes there's a fair up there. Yeah. So we would go to a little fair that would be up in that little area. But I believe that's where he saw the tire tracks. Oh. So I mm -hmm. think that their car or the, the Monte Carlo maybe or someone's mm -hmm. car, maybe the suspect's car. Were you ever clear from reading whatever you read if they thought that those tire tracks were from the suspect's car when they were trying to flee they or didn't, from their car. The way that it sounded, it, it was from their car. Mm. It, I don't think that that car, I, I think that they must have been farther back in, in and maybe they decided not to stay back that far and came back out. Well, the but, tire tracks, if you remember correctly, I believe they started from up by the tennis court and they came down that hill. It doesn't really say that in the book. Okay. Well, maybe it's just conflicting information. Yeah, it could be. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of things about this case that I, I mean, I remember it happening, but I do not remember them saying that there was a, a knife on the, on the dash. I yeah, don't remember them. That. Where in the crap did the holster for the gun come from? Yeah. The only thing that. It was the, the 80s. Yeah. In the book, the only thing that they had talked about was. One of their theories was Ethan had gotten into some kind of an argument with this guy. He had reached to get his knife, and that's when the guy maybe pulled his gun out and just threw the holster in or whatever. And that's how it ended up there. They don't think, because there was never a gun found. It was not Ethan's gun. And so why would he have a holster underneath him? That part of it just really baffles me. Yeah. It's stories like this that Very give weird. me the heebie-jeebies. Because do you know how many times I've been in a car, in a park, or somewhere similar at night, mm. or under a bridge, or somebody's mm -hmm. storage facility? <laughs> yeah. 
or God knows where, like a cornfield once. Like, I'm surprised I'm alive sometimes. Jesus. The book was, it was good in some aspects of it. And others, it was kind of just kind of rambly about the area in that time frame. You know, they talked about them all and talked about different hangout places for the kids and stuff like that. But it was later confirmed, though, that they was invited to that party, but there was never any evidence that they actually went. So where they had been from the time that he picked her up at 9 o'clock until they found them just a little bit before midnight or a little after midnight, the autopsy said that they estimated the time of death at like 20 to 12. So he had to have come up on it like right after it happened. And both of the kids were described as very good kids. Yes. She was a junior, a junior cheerleader. Yeah. She was a junior cheerleader. And I think he was a, I can't remember if he was a junior or a sophomore, but he was president of his class and was a very bright kid. They were both really bright students. And yeah. They always said that there's no way it could have been a drug deal because those kids didn't do that kind of thing. And it's, I just don't understand. I, I really wish that they would have some sort of a closure on it. This guy, Jimmy, he is their main suspect in it, but they could never, they never had any proof that he was the one that had mm. that done it. So they were never able to arrest him. Now, am I unmasked? You will learn a little bit more about old Ooh, Jimmy. Okay. Yeah, old Jimmy got a long line of stuff. I noticed that you missed one of your sentences. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> Kim, Kim this is me. I'm a big hoe. <laughs> I must have me. stopped in the middle of a thought. She's telling on herself, folks. <laughs> no, Kim had me print her paper. Did you do yeah, that? You were hoping that you were just like randomly be like blah, blah blah blah, and then I'm a big fat hoe. But no, you. You know, evidently. he used to pick on me before you came around. Oh, so. I'm, not, I'm not surprised. That's no, okay. He, he I wouldn't just, have it any other way. He just knows I'm meaner than he is. Well, <laughs> he's older than me, so. Listen. What do you uh, got for us, Shane? Do you got some for no us? No matter how well, old I, I get, you'll I, always be I do the have a brother. review for us. Before we get into our Unmasked episode, I have a review from Cameron M. Hey, Cameron. Cameron says, Mystery Inc. is the perfect combo of true crime, fun facts, and personal antidotes. Antidotes. I'm not saying that word correctly. Antidotes. Anecdotes. Anecdotes. Anecdote. Antidote is what you take if you're poisoned. Josh said the word. You're correct. He knows the word, so we'll go with that. They're they're the smart ones. Plus, y'all's voices are so relaxing, and I like the historical slash educational tangents. I wouldn't mind more of them. Well, thankfully, we're weekly now. Mm -hmm. After starting around six different podcasts, I finally found what I was looking for. Thanks and keep up the good work. That was so nice. Thank you, Cameron. That was so nice. Thank you so much. Yes. You know, I did, when I first started doing podcasting, I thought about doing a a relaxing one so people could fall asleep too. (laughs) But I was worried they'd, you know do dirty things to oh, my gosh. voice. My voice is just so attractive. <laughs> <laughs> so Look at the way she's looking at me. You see that face? I just thought of something. I told you when you printed my things not to be reading them, you had to have found I something. I did. I just added you it just added a sentence. To it. Mm. 
This is what happens when Kim has thoughts. Yeah. Takes me a minute sometimes. It does. It's like dial up <laughs> from the moment that I told her that I added some to the list. You see how long it took for it to like. <laughs> the get... hamster took a break. Yeah. You've got mail. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So don't forget, join us on Mystery Inc., which is our bonus episodes. They'll be on Patreon. They're also on Apple Podcasts. And I have our dad jokes that you guys are going to have to try not to laugh at. First, don't forget to join us on Shane and Josh's Rabbit Hole on Facebook. You can also follow us on Instagram as well. And I'll let Shane do his dad jokes. And then I'll finish with my bless your heart. Well, the dad jokes are for Unmasked. Okay. Well, So you can go ahead and do your Unmasked. I'll do my bless your heart. Yes. Well, my bless your heart comes from a woman named, I knew I was going to struggle with this name. My bless your heart comes from a woman named Trieste Belmont. Tina Smith. Tina Smith. You could have made it up, Josh. No one would have known. (laughs) Tatiana. When her grandmother passed away, she struggled with depression as well as a pretty dramatic breakup. She was also a dance teacher but didn't have a way to drive. So she was forced to rely on friends for rides. One day, when a friend forgot to pick her up from work, she waited a few hours before deciding to walk home. She came to a high bridge on her way, and the intrusive thoughts began to consume her. A quote from her is, I was just having one of the worst days of my life, and I was looking down at all the cars, just feeling so useless and like such a burden to everyone in my life that I decided that this was the time I needed to end my life. I was sobbing and crying and working up the courage to just go through with it because I knew at that moment that I was going to make everyone's lives better. As she began walking closer to the edge, an unknown driver passed by and yelled out the window, Don't jump! Which, I mean, I'll admit, I've done while as a kid, you know, driving by anybody on a bridge, you just yell out the window, don't jump. But whether it was for humor or just genuine concern, it made her brain click and she slowly backed away from the edge. She then walked home and immediately sought therapy and now uses that incident to teach others to be kind to people, believing that the smallest act of kindness can truly make a difference. I want to give a bless your heart to both the driver and her, and may we all learn to be kinder to everyone. I choose this bless your heart for this episode because I related to it a lot, you know, I went through a very dramatic breakup. My grandmother passed away, and she was the most important person in my life. And I do, believe it or not, suffer with depression quite often. This is a facade most of the time. (laughs) And I just felt that it was a good reminder to just always be nice to people, unless, you know, maybe they're dressed like a giant ketchup bottle and coming up to you at Crime Con. (laughs) And then be nice to those people, but tell them you've crapped your pants. (laughs) Right. All right, guys. Well, let's go ahead and start our Unmasked episode. We will see you all on Unmasked next week for Mystery. Yes. See you then. Bye. 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 Bye.